0: Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Michael Nabb. Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm strapped in, but running free.
0: All right. It's great to have you with me today. Michael Nabb founded and operated his advertising agency in Chicago. For over 30 years, he ran that agency, and among his major clients was Ravel Monogram, the toy model company. His passion for automobiles led to launching the Diecast Zone, one of the first online hobby community sites. The audience was geared towards collectors of precision-scale model cars and trucks And soon, Michael created Legacy Motors, which became the leading online retailer for scale model cars, trucks, motorcycles, and military vehicles. From there, he created Legacy Motors Automotive Art Gallery. And today, his focus is on an online art gallery representing the best automotive artists of today. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion? for
1: Automobiles. I'd be delighted to, and thank you for having me on. You're welcome. I was at a lunch about four or five years ago uh, with a fellow I'd known for a while, and he he turned to me across the table, and he said, Michael, I think you're a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) I said. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I I, I guess thank you. And uh, my story is that of starting quite a few companies. It all began when I decided I was a not made out for uh, corporate life in my early 20s, and circumstances were such that I uh, was able to launch an, an advertising agency at the age of 30 with uh, very little experience. It was the halcyon days of the 80s, and I was able to acquire quite a few clients of, of some size, which did include um, uh, Revell. From there, in the 90s, I became infatuated with the um, Prospect of the Internet, so launched a, uh, a web development company. From there, created, as you said, the first social network for auto enthusiasts. It was focused on scale models. And from there, launched a, um, uh, an online store, Legacy Motors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we continued to sprout different variations on this. Uh, became pretty much of an e-commerce business. That pretty much uh, takes us to today. Uh, is, uh, when you and I had spoken earlier, I said, I um, being a guy, it's in my DNA to love cars. <laughs> but if you were to talk about my passion, I guess you could say my passion, both professionally and otherwise, is for car enthusiasts.
0: Well, I love so many things about this because Cars Yeah! is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts and cars having inspired you to move on your entrepreneurial spirit and create all these different businesses. And now you're starting up another one now is fantastic. And that's what we're all about here. I love it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this new business you're doing as we move along. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel.
1: I guess the quote that, um, I well, like all of us, I have lots of quotes I live by. Mm-hmm. But I think this one, uh, you create your own luck,
2: is, uh,
1: <laughs> is one that I come back to. What that means to me is you have to be close to where the luck is. In other words, you have to be in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You can't make a plan and say, and at this point, luck will enter and you know, I'll get there. Sure. You already have to be pretty close to where the wheels are turning and if you are uh in the bell-shaped curve of good things holds true y- you will be blessed with luck as a result of the work that got you in that
0: i always love to say uh, luck is where opportunity meets the preparation that you've done and those two col- right. the colliding of those two things are really what luck is all about it's all that hard work that leads up to that moment of opportunity that
1: arises
0: in, in some way and, and recognizing it, right?
1: Yeah, and I've, I'm going to butcher this, but something about inspiration plus perspiration plus luck yeah. <laughs> leads to success. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and then an example, I have a dumb example of this um, early on. It doesn't have anything to do with cars, but uh, absolutely kind of proves my point. That um, uh, when I realized I wasn't made out for corporate America, I, I decided to uh, get into lofts. And if you remember, at the late 70s, lofts, you know, the, the uh, repurposed industrial
2: Yes, spaces okay.
1: mm-hmm. in the major cities were all the rage. Yes. And so I pursued that, just me. I tried to get into that business, which meant developing them. Mm-hmm. I got in with a group of people, And as part of their uh, loss development, they decided to uh, put on a a multimedia extravaganza. And like all big thinkers, it was a great idea, but they uh, didn't have anybody to do the work. (laughs) Just you know, they're smart people, but they exactly. You would think, okay, we're going to do this multimedia extravaganza. We're going to have all the movers and shakers in Chicago come to this thing. You know get all the PR on. They forgot to have someone do the show. There's an example of being in the neighborhood. I yes. had never written anything like this. I'd never art directed anything like this. I had never put on a, a production like this. But I did it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I got through it. Yeah. And there is an example of being I was in the right place at the right time. Uh I could have failed of course. But as luck would have it, <laughs> I didn't. Yes. It launched an agency that went on for uh, the next 30, 35 years and had huge clients like United Airlines and Hyatt Hotels and Wow. And uh, Siemens. So.
2: Yeah, fantastic. All
1: based on that proximity.
0: I love it. I love it. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? If you can remember that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew, I'm a car guy.
1: Well, I I have a two-part to that. Uh-huh. My parents were somewhat well-to-do, and in the mid-'60s, they bought a Cadillac Eldorado. Now, Mark, I'm going to tell you what the color scheme is on this. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I, I hope you're sitting down. Yes. It was a red, white, and blue Cadillac Eldorado. Wow. And you're going to go, that must have been an atrocity. Well, you know, somehow it worked. The body was white. Mm-hmm. As I recall, the interior was red, and the, um, the uh, drag top, you know, was blue. So oh, okay. it really was red, white, blue. Red, white, and blue. I just loved that car. My uh, mother and I and my sister drove in it every day, and we loved everything about it. So I don't know if that made me a car guy, but I certainly loved every, everything about that car.
0: Made an impression
1: would <laughs> it would make an impression with anyone believe me yeah. but the but on a more professional basis in the uh, early nineties uh Ravel monogram became a client of ours, and they did launch a line of um, uh precision die cast cars
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they did this in the face of staunch uh, competition from franklin mint and, and danbury mint
2: mm.
1: and these are uh the scale was uh one twentieth or one twenty four mm these are not kits. They were like little sculptures.
2: Yeah, collector and,
1: pieces. Um, yes, absolute collector pieces. Mm-hmm. They launched a really, the creme de la creme of, of cars. Uh, the Camaro Z28, the Stingray, the GT40, the Cobra 427. All iconic marks. Uh, iconic, that was the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah, yeah, iconic cars. Yes. And because they were just inventing this, uh, their, their own business, We learned everything about the cars. Mm -hmm. We learned how cars put together and and all the the design history. And, you know, why did the Viper end up looking like the Viper, for example? A lot of people just take it for granted or they say, wow, I just like the way it looks. Mm -hmm. Well, these cars have some history. Yes. And all of that comes out when you're developing them. These cars were uh, very detailed for the time. Of course, 10 years later, the level of detail had catapulted. So now you know. At that time, cars uh, might have been had I don't know 120 parts. Probably in the cars that are coming out now, it's not unusual to have cars made of a thousand parts.
0: Oh yes, yeah, especially when you look at models like CMC that are making uh, amazing models for you know very expensive, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. But when you think about what it takes, oh my gosh!
1: So no, that, that is where uh, a good deal of my passion came.
0: Yeah, fantastic! I love it. So, Michael, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads that you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a time in your career that was a huge challenge or, even better yet, a great failure that you faced. But the most important part of this question is, how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it?
1: Well, it's a great question. And uh, being a serial entrepreneur, I'm I'm no stranger to failure because you you really have no chance of success unless you're willing to,
2: to absorb fail. and digest. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, it just can't <laughs> happen. I, I got two answers for you. Uh, obviously around 2008, I'm sure everyone you've talked to experienced some kind of uh, terrible challenge yes. to their business. In the uh, scale model business, we were doubly challenged because we were so dependent on the Chinese manufacturing community and they, uh, independently of the worldwide crisis, were having their own thing. That made things tough. Other things, besides the economy, uh, was that uh, at that point, believe it or not, a lot of the great iconic subjects had been made, mm-hmm. and that joined with the fact that these guys, these collectors, who were you know hundreds of thousands of guys and girls around the world, they were running out of room. Because it, nobody bought just uh, 10 models.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They would buy hundreds. <laughs> wow. And and there, there would be stories of people buying, uh, you know, moving out of their current house to a new house because, by gosh, it would even have more room to store their models. Wow! So this was all going on, and it looked like the business was going to uh, implode. Mm-hmm. So any advice I have to give about it, and kind of goes back to the first thing I said. I'm not going to say obstinate, but really, you just can never give up. Mm-hmm. You just uh, you're going to weather that storm, and you have to believe in your business. And I always believed in the car enthusiast. When people were saying people, they say you know that younger people nowadays have so many distracting other distractions that they would enjoy. I didn't. I never believed it. In a in fact, I think. I've been proven correct, that uh, uh, if you continue to depend on uh, the car enthusiast, uh, it's it's a face well-placed.
0: I think you're right, and in one way, the enthusiast, they might have to pull back a bit because their funds aren't there, the, the extra funds to maybe spend on these uh, unnecessary objects, really, when you think about it. But their passion doesn't fade, and if anything, they revert deeper into that passion. To escape from the realities of a bad economy, or challenges at work, or whatever it is, so that passion, that fire, is is still there. It might have just flickered a little bit, but I think you're right, Michael. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in one of your many career paths, a time when you realized that this idea that I have is really worthwhile and going to make it. And tell us the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into your success.
1: As I mentioned, I, I really felt early on I, I couldn't work in a bank or I couldn't work in a in a traditional environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And not because I was better, but it was just something, uh, it, it didn't suit me. And, and there may be many people that feel that way, but I just felt it very strongly. So I, I kind of never had an aha moment to be entrepreneurial, I just knew I had to be. It was just a feeling. Mm-hmm. As a result, I will say that um, uh, that makes can make me kind of goofy, <laughs> uh, and and uh, I can give an example of uh, if not an aha moment, let's say a reaffirming moment. So uh, we have this um, uh, this agency, and it's just got three employees, and we have a big. Potential client coming through and we have three employees and you know just a few computers, yeah, early that morning i don 't think the sun had even risen at that point It's dark, and I'm going, what are we going to do to look like we're a really substantial company
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, one of the employees comes in and I say, "Look, when the potential client comes through, I want you to be at your computer, and this is Early '80s, so you can imagine we're talking like what were they called? TR1s, yeah. Or something. They <laughs> the were the they were not boxes. impressive. Yeah. yeah, they were not impressive. And I said, when that uh, potential client comes by, I want you to look like you're playing Beethoven's Fifth. I want you to be playing that keyboard like you're playing a piano keyboard. You're and doing you're something at the crescendo. <laughs> I, I I say push it. And my he goes, "Are you insane?" And I <laughs> said, "No, I just think that." People will associate that with ardor and uh and uh interest, and you know boy, we're really into our work, yes, and sure enough, uh we did that
2: mm-hmm.
1: now <laughs> that employee went on to head up his own uh, his own very successful company, but i've always thought there is an example it 's not an aha moment, but it does show that uh I was very committed to do whatever was necessary right. to to create this, uh, to take this from being a fantasy into reality.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Now, I'm sure you've had many proud moments in your career, but is there one you could share with me that really
1: stands out? Hmm. Again, it's, it's a good question. I, I don't have one where I absolutely uh, felt bursting with pride in a traditional sense. You know, when, I was not in a business where you get trophies. Mm-hmm. I was in the business you're familiar with, advertising. So kind of, you know, that old adage that you get every client, but the clock starts on when you're going to lose them. You've heard that, right? <laughs> you're
0: only as good as your last project.
1: You're only as good as your right. All of that's true. So I'm going to share with you a moment of, of, when I did feel of of pride. Every year, my company, Genere and Ad, would throw... Um, a skit, kind of like a Saturday Night Live uh, skit for the staff. We had about 35, 40 people. And every year it got to be a bigger, bigger production. And the deal was that uh, the employees would poke huge fun at each other. We never poke fun at clients. Mm-hmm. We might poke fun of their products, but we would never poke fun of the clients. That was the rule. But we'd poke fun of each other. And you have to you know, from being an agency, uh, agency people are pretty shy. A lot of them are very shy. But every year, they would get together and do this and have a fabulous time. So in all honesty, the proudest moments I ever had was that every year, for I would say 15 years, we would put on this show, fueled a little bit by liquor. And everyone would have a very good time. Yeah. And the, the sense of camaraderie.
2: Yeah, teamwork.
1: Was, uh, was, was tangible, very yeah. tangible. And I thought, well, we've done it.
0: Yeah, that sounds like fun. Sounds like a great team building exercise as well. So fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Would you share with me, not necessarily your first car, but it could be, but your first really special vehicle and a memory that you had with that
1: car? 1991 Riviera <laughs> and the color was dark sapphire blue metallic I wow. don't know if it was medium or dark mm-hmm. it was the more traditional uh, blue color uh-huh. so 1991 Riv I think that's the 7th generation gorgeous car I, uh, when I bought it the uh, I remember the dealer telling me well this is your first grown up car
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: grown up car
1: yeah, my, and here's here's my story with that I love that car and every time I would go to a stoplight, I would hear uh, some noise.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this was a brand new car, and and I would hear a noise, and I couldn't quite describe it. It uh, I, it just sounded like something whirring in the engine,
2: mm-hmm. and it had
1: that wonderful Buick six, that you know, thirty eight hundred. Do you remember? You know that just perfect engine, and you'd open it up, and here's this perfect engine, and I'm scratching my head. So anyway. I take it back to the dealer, and I say, hey, I want a good
2: one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this
1: is making noise. Yeah. And uh, they could never find anything, so they had the uh, GM zone dealer come in. It turned out to be something essential to the way that 3800 uh, operates when you hit the break. Oh. But uh, what's interesting is the uh, zone dealer, who had about as much personality as an FBI agent, <laughs> uh, said to me, he said, listen, Moik. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You see that Seville over there? They make me take a Seville because I'm a GM zone manager. Because they think I should drive the best Cavalcades. I, right now, it's brand new. It's even newer in your car. I will switch you even up. Wow. I'll take your car and you take mine. You want to do it? And he wasn't kidding. Wow. And I said, well, <laughs> and I turned to him. I said, well, uh, <laughs> with that kind of, uh, you know, with that kind of. Uh, backup. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I, how could I say, how could I agree to that? I'll stick with the car I have. <laughs> so that's how good that car was.
2: Yeah, but wow. Because, you, know,
1: you know, the Seville was about ten or $15,000 more.
2: Well, yeah,
0: yeah. I was expecting a different response from you, but you love the Riviera, so cool.
1: I always did. Yes, I bought two more.
0: Well, that's awesome. What well, leads me to my next question, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go in your life that you really wish you could have back in the garage? No, sir. No, <laughs> good for you.
1: No, I'm always looking forward to the next car.
0: Oh, I love that answer! Fantastic. Now, is there a current project that you're working on right now? And I know there is. That really has you excited and fired up.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, from years of operating um, Legacy Motors Automotive Art Gallery, which is, you know, specializes in uh, prints and paintings uh, focused on automotive on, on automotive subjects. Mm-hmm i'm launching car life nice. which, will, which will be uh, at www.legendarycarlife.com. and the idea here is is based on a uh, inspiration we'll find out if it's, if it's as brilliant as I think. <laughs> uh, having served car enthusiasts for so many years, everything I did was a car or car related. But I fancy that we uh, ourselves to have learned enough about car enthusiasts that there is something that unifies them, mm-hmm. that there is an embodiment that, um, of some spirit, some aesthetic, some standards that unifies them. But that doesn't have to be a, about a car.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that doesn't have to be about you know uh, something bearing a, a logo mm-hmm. of a car. It's, it can be something else. So this is, uh, Car Life is uh, a blog and a store together. Uh, Not everything we blog about is for sale, but some things are. And it will go, uh, I think in an interesting way, a field of just car subjects and of of car-related merchandise.
2: Cool. It
1: will try to find the the soul of what unifies. You know, why can uh, 20 guys who are car nuts get together and have a great time. Mm -hmm. And yes, they'll spend a certain amount of their time uh, talking about cars, maybe most of the time, but what else are they talking about? And what else are they enjoying? So it could be something, uh, you know, a jacket, a satchel, anything, anything about their life. But there is uh, something that uh, brings them together, and uh, we're hoping to tap into that. Mm
0: -hmm. Fantastic. Well, great. Do you have a timeline of when you'll be up fully and running?
1: I've been told in six weeks.
0: Awesome. I'll remind our listeners that we'll have links to that new site up on your show notes page at carsyad.com slash Michael nab and his last name is K-N-A-B. Now, Michael, here's a fun question for you. If Michael Nab was a car, what kind of car would he be and why?
1: Well, you know, I'm tempted to to say something like a monster truck, (laughs) like the the gravedigger. I'd love (laughs) to be able to say that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd love to say that to you. But uh, uh, my answer would be a Studebaker Avanti. And I have a certain intimate relationship with one during my high school years. To make a few bucks, I'd go up this giant hill,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I would uh, wash and wax and buff two cars for this uh, rich guy. One was a Studebaker Avanti, and one was, a six, I don't even know, the world's most expensive Rolls Royce.
2: Wow.
1: I hated doing the Rolls Royce but i love doing the avanti uh but your question is really uh, what if i were a car yes. you know why would i it's not the car i like the most but why did i relate to this car right. well maybe because i spent maybe because i spent so much time with it yes but i did relate to this car because even then uh i thought it was uh brilliant in all ways i i thought it was uniquely american Yet it had uh, a kind of a European flair. Yes. But I thought it was brilliantly American. And I also became aware, because remember, I'm cleaning this thing from every aspect, you know, every sure. Sunday. Yeah. So I saw every part of it. And the owner would come in and say, did you know that this had this safety feature, which was brand new, and it did this. And, it, you know, it had all these innovations that really weren't advertised very much. Mm-hmm. And he also... Uh, he would tell me that it it broke 29 Bonneville speed records. So it was a performance car, too. All these things, you know, if you remember at the time, it was really, uh, the car, because Baker in general was suffering uh, so badly, the car never really got the traction it deserved. Mm -hmm. So how does this relate to me? Do I feel like a sad sack? No. But I do feel that uh, I relate to something done very well, I think uh, you know I've done something very well in myself, and it's uh, you know I relate to the fact that over time people discover what those are.
0: Yeah, great answer. I love that. One of my past guests, Lance Lambert, who's a TV personality, just bought one of those cars, and he's having oh, yeah. great fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So fantastic. I did love he
1: buy that. Did he buy the original or the or the the second one? I believe it's the, the second
0: vehicle. one, but you know what? I need to check on that, so I don't I don't know for sure. But uh, you can go to Lance Lambert's uh, Facebook page and, and see okay. plenty of pictures of that vehicle. So it's red. Yeah, yeah. Fun car.
1: You know, there's, and they're
0: still affordable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something that he talked about on his, his uh, talk with me here on Cars Yeah! was that he said, you know, people think they can't get into the car hobby because it's too expensive. He said, give me $5,000 and I'll find a car for you that will get you into almost, any show maybe not pebble beach or amelia but i'll find you a car that you can have you can have a lot of fun with so that you feel like you can be a part of the car hobby so uh great answer i love asking that question so michael next up is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal here's something for the cars yeah listeners do you love vintage cars then go to cars com and get a free copy of the fantastic filler up book it's a full color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. All right, Michael, we're back, and this is the last lap. And you know what that means. The white flag is out. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yes, sir. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Always buy a used car. <laughs> I've heard that never one before. Never a new one. Yep. Yes. Now, wait, wait, before you go on, uh-huh. I have never followed it.
0: <laughs> okay. I admit I haven't either, but uh, it is great advice, something I have passed along to my children from a financial standpoint for sure. Let <laughs> right. that, let that right. first guy take the depreciation hit. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes?
1: What I tell people is indefatigability. Uh, now, there's a like, word. <laughs> uh, ten- yes, try to say it fast. Indefatigability, <laughs> and it's uh, it's kind of like tenacity, right? Mm-hmm. It's related to that. But uh, tenacity, to me, suggests uh, holding on. And I think when you're indefatigable, you're doing more than that. You just keep pushing.
0: Yes, love
2: it. So
1: I think that when I think of myself, I think uh, I hope I'm never tiresome, and I hope I recognize failure when it says go around, don't go through. I hope all that, but I do feel that I'm indefatigable.
0: Yeah, you need to know sometimes when to stop digging the hole and get out and start another one. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? I know it's tough. There's so many, but just one, maybe a website or a blog that you receive.
1: I mentioned to you. I just moved to San Diego, and so if you don't mind, I'm going to. Mention, I haven't had time to meet a lot of uh, people out here, mm-hmm. but one person I met is a fellow named Sheriff Dick Sweeney. He's not the current sheriff of uh, San Diego, mm-hmm. but he he's a, a retired. He runs, you're going to love this, RIVS R-Us. Oh. RIVS R-Us. Uh, that's in Alpine, California, which is outside of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I can give his uh, email address yes. if you'd like to have it. Yeah, please do. Okay, it's R-I-V-S-R-U-S-1 at cox.cox.net. Cool. And what is that? He specializes in 61 to 65 Rivieras.
2: Ah, there we go. <laughs> and
1: um, I love Rivieras, so we got cooked up through that. Mm-hmm. He's on the Buick Club board. I don't know how, how many more years he's going to do that. So if you've got a Buick Riviera yeah. in, the, in the 60s, I can't imagine. And, and his work is meticulous. Wow. Cool. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of me on your site in front of a 1961 Riviera. I don't think, it's, it's not a Riv, but it's a 61 that he has restored.
2: The red car? It was just,
1: yes, it's the most yeah. photogenic.
0: There you go. Very cool. How about books? Is there one book that you could share with the Cars yeah listeners?
1: Well, I have an all-time favorite book. Can I mention that? Yes, of I course. It's not a car book. It's okay. Okay, my all-time, okay, well, it's Catch-22.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> great book, great book. Well, again, I'll remind our listeners that all these resources Michael shared with us will be up at the thecarsyad.com show notes page for Michael. Just put Michael in the search box and his page will pop right up. All right, Michael, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money is no object, what would that vehicle be and why?
1: The Cadillac, uh, if I can include the, the concept car. What was the name of that uh, concept car that Cadillac came up?
2: Oh gosh, which with? one? Uh, Cielo,
1: Cielo. Oh, that. Mark, you can buy me that
0: one. Okay, the Cadillacs. And I would be car. very
1: appreciative. I'll take you and I'll go out to a Sonic and eat some hamburgers in
0: it. Hey, that and, would be uh, cool. And you know what we'll do? We'll bring a, a past <laughs> Cars Yeah guest with us, Steve Anderson, who's an illustrator, but he works for GM. He worked on that car. And, um, oh really? Yeah. So maybe is that
1: not the most beautiful car you've it ever is, seen?
0: It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. They did a wonderful job with that vehicle, and uh,
1: and I can't believe they're not taking it out.
0: Well, you know, there's probably a million reasons for that. Michael, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yell listeners and with me today. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off to that hamburger stand in that Cadillac? Seat? uh concept card.
1: The big discovery uh, I've had the last few years is that um I didn't realize uh how much uh I have held myself back for someone who's you know launched businesses and what have you mm-hmm. that I had a definition of myself as I'm you know that would start with well I'm the kind of guy who does this but who doesn't do that. Mm. I was totally unaware, if you'd asked me, I would have said, gee, I'm the guy who will do anything to get something done. You'd be surprised uh, if you keep asking at the things that you thought you heretofore for, just that just wasn't you. Who knows what it could be? Gee, I'm not the kind of person that would um, even try to take up um, uh, yoga. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, my, my own journey the last few years has been, hey, I am the kind of person that would do that.
0: Give it a try.
1: So that's what I was, Give it a try.
0: Yeah, give it a try. Great advice. And what would be the best way for listeners to learn more about you and the business that you're creating today?
1: Uh, well, right now, uh, automotive-art.com is our primary business, automotive-art.com. Okay. And that takes you to Legacy Motors Automotive Art Gallery.
0: Great. Well, again, listeners, you can find all these links on Michael's show notes page at Michael Nabb. Michael, thank you again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Okay, Mark. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up